When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 12 postgame show as the Bears took care of business, taking down the New York Giants by the final score of 19-14. to I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Here with me is my co-host, Mr. Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I want to know, how are you feeling? I know it's a Bears win against the Giants, but still feels pretty good that we get to talk about a victory today, right? Yeah, I'd rather be talking about a victory than, you know, the other way around where that's what we've been accustomed to this season. But yeah, it's a, I don't know, it's a weird feeling, but it is better than, you know, talking about a loss for sure. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into the show, I do remind people that we are going to that Bears-Chiefs game here in Week 16, Section 117, Road 12. We have one spare ticket, and we want to go ahead and give that ticket to you. So if you'd like to join us at that Bears game again against the Chiefs, Week 16, Road 12. We do have a raffle going on at chicagoaudible.com slash raffle. Tickets are $5 each. We'd love for you to join in the fun, get your chance to come with us to this game, and, of course, help support our show as we start planning for our 2020 season. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the first quarter of the show and begin like we always do with my monster moment of the game. And this week's monster moment is going to be that 32-yard touchdown to Allen Robinson on the opening drive of the second half. That completed the two-for-one that the Bears needed. They went from being down 7-0 to being up 10-7. And that also marks five straight games with a touchdown on the opening series of the second half of the Bears. So if that touchdown between Mitch to Robinson, even though the throw could have been a little better, we don't need a nitpick right now, Nick. But that monster moment still to give the Bears the lead and completing that two-for-one special is going to be my monster moment. Let's hand it over to Nick. What's going to be your Moriano minute? You know what? I think in, in this game you can obviously nitpick, but... In this game, we actually saw the reemergence of Khalil Mack, and especially towards the end of the game, just making his presence felt. And obviously, I was someone who expressed my frustration openly about Mack, maybe not putting the stats that we are all accustomed for him to do, but 
he was definitely effective in this game, just getting after Daniel Jones, making him uncomfortable in the pocket. And that was great to see from a guy that was just voiced earlier from Eddie Jackson saying that it was the most down he's ever seen Khalil Mack. And then he has a game like this, responds, and is able to just wreak havoc on this you know, Giants offensive line and the quarterback. That was great to see. So I think it's just seeing Khalil Mack and you know what he brings to the football field, he was definitely back in full force today. Yes, he was. Now, right back to you, Nick. What's that midway mulligan going to be? I have a hunch it's going to be something in that second half, perhaps, when we're starting to allow the Giants to kind of creep back into this thing when really they had no business doing it. But that, that's yes. just my hunch. Yeah, no, um, so I actually wasn't go that direction, but that was something I was thinking about. But I actually want to go back to when Mitch Trubisky throws that that second interception, um, basically because there was just it wasn't warranted for anything. There was no reason. Nobody was open there. You're kind of wondering what is Mitch Trubisky even thinking on this throw? And it, again, he's throwing into a place where one, it's underthrown. His intended receiver, I think it was Javon Wims on that play, wouldn't have even been – he wasn't open. So it's like these inconsistent and, you know, just question marks that Trubisky continues to have throughout his 2019 season. And I just didn't understand. I was about to tweet out that Mitch up to that point was having a pretty decent game. But I'm glad I just kind of, you know, took my fingers off my phone for a second and just let it happen because he has those mistakes just constantly throughout each football game. So just your thought was enough to jinx it, huh? Basically, I guess it was. Just me thinking like, oh, man, he's doing well so far. Boom, interception. Uh, So for me, uh, this week's stat of the game, I'm going to give it to the Bears' third down defense. We know they're one of the better units in the NFL in that regard. They're in the top 10, but they'll only held the Giants to one of 12 on third down, which, again, only allowing one third down conversion on defense is a great way to stay in any ball game. So for me, the one for 12 on third down uh, was a great sign because anytime New York got it into any third situation, third long, third short, didn't matter, I knew that more than likely the Bears were going to be you know, turning that ball over and the offense would be coming back on the field. So the Bears' third down defense stepped up in a big way. So for me, that's going to be my stat of the game. Nick, over to you. Who's going to be your MVB choice? I have to go with Khalil Mack again. Um, again, he he really impacted this game at, at the level that we're used to seeing for Khalil Mack. And there was this one play where he doesn't even go against the the right tackle. It's like a stun inside, and the poor right guard just gets bulldozed over by Khalil Mack, and he forces Daniel Jones to throw the ball a little earlier than he would have liked to. So you see these impactful plays. You see what he can cause to an opposing offense, how you got to change your game plan, get these quick passes, you know, into your assist, into your game plan, because he more times than not will just wreck any given play. And so I have to give the MVP to Khalil Mack there. All right. I'm proudly going to give mine to the guy that I anticipated giving this award to on our preview show this week on the podcast. And that's ha ha Clinton Dix. Led the team with seven total tackles. He had two PBUs. I see one in the box score, but I have two in my notes, so I'm going to go ahead and give him two, uh, two of which were in very crucial situations. One on third down, which really uh, helped the Bears in the end stop this game. And then uh, on top of that, I noted he had a good open field tackle on fourth down that turned that ball over and down. And then, you know, I just loved how aggressive he was today. He was playing up against the line of scrimmage, where really both safeties were from time to time. But he was really good in run support. He was pretty damn good in his man coverage today and always seemed to be in that right spot. So for me, haha, Clinton Dix, again, leading the team in tackles today all over the field. He's going to be my MVB, which, again, 
feels a little nice because I had that guest or predicted on our preview show, and I'm glad that he was able to step in and fulfill my request that I gave him earlier on this week. All right, well, that's going to do it for the first quarter of our show. We have plenty more to get to here. Up next, we're going to talk about that Chicago Bears offense that was able to move the ball, thankfully, against this Giants defense. But before we talk about them, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like taking websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, simply put, it's a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are simply overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. By far the quickest and easiest way that I've been able to shop for tickets. I know that I was actually looking at tickets, not Bears-related, but the IU basketball game here on Monday night. I'm going to use SeatGeek to find those tickets. I used the app in a few clicks, was able to purchase my seats, and getting the best deal possible. And, of course, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code, again, is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, and that gets you $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will Do It, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are breaking down this Chicago Bears 19-14 victory here, and oddly enough, Nick, my lamp that I told you I was fighting with went off for the entire ad, and now it's back on. So we're back talking about this Bears team, and I love it. I have some energy in my voice today. It's been quite some time. I'm ready to talk about this offense, and I know they were going up against this Giants defense that's one of the worst in the NFL, and they had a hard time in the first half really getting things going. What clicked, uh, I would say, starting that last possession of the second half throughout the third quarter? You know, I think it was a, you know, just a culmination of different things, but I think it's what they did at the kind of the end of the the first half, just going with that hurry up, getting more things, uh, just getting more receivers involved. You saw Anthony Miller being targeted a lot. Then you come out of halftime and you see these big chunk plays. I think there was also a favorable penalty that kept that drive alive for the Bears to eventually score that that touchdown to Allen Robinson there. But it, it's just uh, w- the Bears have actually, which is kind of weird, been a good team in terms of starting out the second half on offense. They usually go and get these touchdowns. I think this made the fifth or sixth game in a row where they've been able to start off on a good note. So it's just adjustments that they're making, really, at halftime. What Matt Nagy's seeing, who he wants to you know, target. I know number 25 for the Giants was someone they heavily targeted right before halftime. Anthony Miller, I think, had four catches on that drive. But, yeah, it's just identifying what exactly are the Giants' weaknesses, exploiting them, and then actually having some big plays, which you kind of saw on that drive for the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. I really liked how the Bears were able to utilize some tempo, and we've talked about this often on this season. They seem to do it when it's in those two-minute situations, and it tends to work. And it worked a little bit. They didn't do a complete tempo in the beginning of the third quarter, but they were in a little bit more of a hurry. They weren't at the line of scrimmage for extended amounts of times, and I thought that really helped because they got Mitch into a rhythm where he's not really overly thinking some of these situations. He's out there playing with his instincts, 
and you talked about it, getting those chunk plays. And I loved them in the second half. We were getting a ton of them. We had four passes that went for 20-plus in the first two possessions of the second half today. And, yeah, I, I'm really in alignment with what you're having to say there because early on in this game, uh, I was a little worried that we're going to be playing down to the competition throughout the majority because we should have had points in the second drive of the game, and it should have been a touchdown, but you had that Broniker drop. Uh, then it led to the Trubisky interception. And then right before the half, uh, you know, even though I was excited to see the Bears move the ball down the field, they still kind of squandered the opportunity away as they had to settle for a field goal after reaching the red zone today. Any other big observations from this offense that you wanted to kind of bring forward? You know, I think we also got to highlight, obviously, they only put up 19 points against a bad New York Giants defense. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's still really this offense has so much work to do. And again, it goes to the quarterback and the decision making. But that offensive line, you see Bobby Massey having some bad plays and then he ends up getting injured. You have Charles Leno Jr. not doing his job where he um, the pressure gets to Trubisky, takes a bad sack. Well, Leno Jr. is on the ground. So you see why that's happening. So. There's still a lot that needs to be worked on, and especially when you have penalties that are taking and negating big plays. The mystery, you know, illegal hands to the face penalty that I think was called on Cody Whitehair that takes away Allen Robinson's big catch over the middle. It's like you can't have these untimely things, especially when big play. The, the very few pl- big plays that the Bears actually have, you definitely can't have, you know, a penalty try to take those away because you never know with this offense if you're going to see one of those plays happen. But actually in this game, they did a, do a they did do a good job of getting those bigger kind of plays that touched on Allen Robinson. That was a 37-yard pass. On that drive alone, it was only five plays, and Robinson uh, was caught a reception for 23 yards also on that drive. So there were some big plays on that drive, but penalties, just one-on-one matchups between the offensive line, uh, the Bears ran another third and one, Will. We all know how that ended towards the end of the game. The go-eye formation where Shot Coward pulls, comes over to the left, completely misses his guy. They don't get the, the first down there. So still playing to work on in 19 points. Yes, the Bears win, but that's a bad Giants defense. That I think this is only the second team that they haven't allowed, I think, 27 points to be scored on them. So the Bears are in that that bunch there, but at least they got the victory. Yeah, exactly. Again. There's some positives, but you got to take them with all those grains of salt. It's the Giants defense. Still wasn't pretty throughout, but that third quarter, I mean, that was a thing of beauty. Uh, By all three phases of this team, defense, I think, only allowed, what, negative one yard in the third quarter. The offense had multiple scores. Trubisky in that quarter alone in the third quarter, 10 of 14 for 155 yards, a touchdown pass, and a touchdown run. I wish the third quarter would have been uh, a great display of what the entire game was about. But unfortunately, it was just kind of a small snippet of this game. But uh, Nick, I do want to talk about, uh, you mentioned the, you know, when we had to go and we ended up punting in the fourth quarter, which allowed New York to take that ball 90, what, seven yards to score this thing. And we had a chance to pretty much put this game on ice, either get, you know, three points, uh, drive it, kill some more time. But instead we do, uh, we do a run. And then Cohen gets the ball inside on a quick, on a quick pass. He's like inches short and the bears end up trying to run doesn't work. They tried to go super heavy, still doesn't work, and it wasn't working all game long. Are you surprised as I was where I know Mitch just had that duck interception on the drive prior, but at least getting him a chance to put this game on ice and get that first down because I thought I would have put the I would have put the ball in Mitch's hands there, I think. That's how I was feeling at the time. Um, so 
I mean, especially seeing that he was able to run that ball in earlier in the game. And I, I thought there would – I don't even know the last time we saw a QB sneak or just any type of like where you actually have Mitch Trubisky wanting to go get that with his legs because I think he was pretty effective in this game with it. So maybe that could have been an option as well. They've done it in the past where um, I'm thinking – Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And actually, the very first game of last season, for some reason, where you had people pull for Mitch and he's running it, but... Um, yeah, so I guess I, I was I was okay with the actual call that Matt Nagy had going heavy, but again, just not certain certain individuals not executing. That's what it results to, and that's exactly what the Bears have done all season, not having everyone on the same page. But I guess it doesn't surprise me too much because I I thought the call was right. They just didn't execute it well. Yeah, I mean, whenever it's certain inches and you can't pick it up by going in, you know, your heavy set running straight up the middle and you allow a guy free straight off the edge that blows this thing up. I mean, that's just execution. And we talked about it all year. Don't get too cute. So I understand your point as well. I want to take this one step further and look at the entire offensive game plan because I saw people that were a little confused why Mitch was throwing so much compared to how little we were running. I was like, wow, Mitch already has 40 passing attempts and we're barely running this ball. But you and I talked about it on Thursday, the Giants are actually pretty good against a run. The Bears haven't been able to run all season long. And the Giants were dead last in pass defense. So this is exactly kind of what I thought this game plan would be. Uh, heavily relying on the pass, supplementing with the run. And they even utilized play action a decent amount today, despite not really being able to effectively run this football. And that still is pretty impactful. So would you say this is one of the better game plans, or is it just playing one of the worst defenses? Uh, I think it's a little both. And look, this the stats would have even been in Trubisky's favor had some of those receivers of his just caught the ball. So it could have been a better day overall for Mitch Trubisky. If the one pass that Ben Broniker catches, most likely he scores, that interception doesn't happen for Trubisky. So we're maybe talking about a completely different game that Trubisky has. But it does help when the Giants' defense is as bad as it is. And we highlighted that the Giants actually do have a pretty good run defense. It would be tough. And, I mean, look, these Bears running backs and Trubisky itself, they finished with a total of 65 yards on the ground on 26 carries. So definitely not a favorable uh, statistic-wise. And I think the matchup was there for the Bears to exploit in the passing game. And you saw that at the end of that first half. Corey Ballantyne for the Giants was targeted on that entire drive for the Bears and Matt Nagy. So it made sense why they did it. You'd love to see more balance, of course, and you'd love to see the Bears actually – get some you know efficient yards in the running game but that just wasn't the matchup for it because the bears one haven't been very effective running the ball all season and the giants have a pretty good rush defense mm-hmm. exactly real quick i just saw that the lions fell to washington and we played them uh here in a few days i'm already thankful for that uh and do you have anything you want to mention on that i mean i didn't think that was going to happen but yeah detroit no really detroit yeah, Detroit's being Detroit. They do have their backup quarterback playing. But I was telling my uncle and my family members, the Bears could realistically be back at 500 in a span of, what, five days from today or to Thanksgiving. So it's crazy to think about. But, yeah, I, I am. I guess I'm thankful for the, the Lions being this game on Thursday and maybe seeing another victory. 
All right, let's get into some position specifics. And I do want to take a few moments on Mitch because he did throw his third red zone interception of the season, which is the second most in the NFL. We talked about that duck interception that I have no idea what the heck happened on that play as well. But there was a lot of good with Mitch today, and it started off uh, he got that hip re-aggravated on that second drive, but was able looked like he was able to fight through that. Really showed to me some grit, some tenacity, his ability to overcome uh, some of those you know situations that kind of just arise in fighting through pain, fighting through injury. He was scrambling out of his own end zone to pick up yards for a first down. He scrambled uh, on a, well, I don't even know if that was a design run on that touchdown because there was all sorts of confusion. I don't know if it was real confusion or just trying to throw the defense off. But he didn't shy away from contact today, despite having that bum shoulder, despite having an injured hip. And I thought he looked like he was, and he talked about it a few weeks ago, wanting to play with a little bit more energy and fun. I thought it was one of those games that you saw you saw a little bit more out of that for Mitch. Uh, but a couple ups, a couple of downs, but 278 yards. Uh, he had the two touchdowns, one on the air, one on the ground, the two interceptions. Not the best day for a rating at 68.9, but I think this is a day where he played a little bit better than the rating indicated, right? Yeah, I would say so. I, but also, I think that's just who Trubisky is. You see the ups, you see the downs, you see the athletic ability, you see the accurate throws, then you see the miscues, the, the off-target passes, the questionable decisions. And I, like I said, I mean, I think you come away – I don't know what you come away from this game thinking of Trubisky, what your, I guess, perception of him is, because it's just more inconsistency. You see, you saw both sides of it, I think, equally in this game. And I just don't, for me, I can't even assess what I'm actually feeling about Trubisky. I'm, I'm like level playing field with how he played because there were, uh, he had those high points where right after that injury, I wanted to see especially how he's throwing the ball. But he gets tackled, and I have in my notes that he throws a nice, good, strong, accurate pass to Allen Robinson. Um, and then he was also – there was a lot of good things that you saw at the line of scrimmage from him where the hard count, something that won't show up on the you know stat sheet, just drawing you know the defense off sides. That's obviously something that quarterbacks can use to their advantage. But the hurry up really helped him and showed the accuracy that he can throw on the run. But then again, he has those questionable decisions, Will. So I don't really even – I don't have a great assessment of how I feel about Mitch Trubisky after a favorable matchup in the Giants, and I know he did get injured early and shows the the grit that he has, and that's never been a question with him, and which is great, but just the actual play is always inconsistent. Yeah, no, inconsistent. I mean, that's the entire Bears offense, though. I mean, that's everybody yeah. on this offense. Uh, Matt Nagy included in that as well. You talked about the hard count. I have in my notes, I think everyone did, that it worked. I mean, we saw it happen. It happened a, a trio of times. And, you know, this is something I've seen actually often on this season, and it's kind of worked. But this is the first game where the offensive line actually helped by moving because they've usually allowed other defenses, if they do attempt to jump and they don't completely, they allow them to reset and get back without flinching or moving. And I don't know why. I don't know how that hasn't been a coaching point earlier in the season, but I'm glad to see they learned that lesson because it worked really well today and took them into some, like what it took one to second and 12 to second and seven, which allowed them to continue that drive because we know that this Bears offense, if you got them into third and even eight or seven, that's probably not going to be a converted uh, situation as well. But definitely a positive to see for Mitch. Inconsistency, of course, is going to be a th- I think a theme throughout the rest of the year. Um, but I would say I'm going to be personally a little bit more higher on the highs and 
not sold down on the lows today, probably just because it's a coping mechanism of how this season has gone, and I'm trying to ride this high that is a Chicago Bears victory. But looking at some of the targets today and looking at some of these playmakers, of course, Allen Robinson, six catches, 131 yards. I mean, he was that big guy, the long of 49, another one of 60 that was taken off the board as well. I wish that those would have counted. He would have been a big help on oh, anyone's fantasy team. But I don't think I have him on mine. I was almost going to say mine, but I don't think I got him. <laughs> and then, of course, Anthony Miller, six catches, 77 yards as well. Anthony Miller's continuing to put some consistent numbers week in, week out now here in the second half of the season. What's your take on uh, those two guys? I thought they really stood out today and really were, you know, obviously they accounted for two over 200 yards of the 278 passing. So they were pretty much, uh, you know, the bread and butter today. Yeah, no, they did a really good job getting open, just, you know, setting up their defenders and just finding the soft spot in zones when they were, you know, obviously playing that type of defense. But yeah, I think it's I think it's more positive to see. I know Allen Robinson put up the bigger numbers, but seeing a guy like Anthony Miller, because we really expect some big things from Anthony Miller this season. And like I just I alluded to earlier in the podcast on that drive where he was just consistently open and targeting number twenty five for the uh, New York Giants there. So it's great to see him getting more involved in the offense. I obviously would love to see him in the end zone a couple more times this season, but he's getting more targets, getting more receptions, and getting the yards now. That's what you want to see from a guy that they moved up to go get. But I'm still wondering why Taylor Gabriel finishes with only one reception for 19 yards, and he had mm-hmm. another drop pass. I think it's just time when we I we talked about at the end of the preview where you want to see a guy like Riley Ridley and see what he can possibly do in that position there because it seemed like that Taylor Gabriel is on the opposite of really an Anthony Miller. He's on the downtrend. Miller's going up and why not just test your younger guys with a couple games left here? So I think that should be something that the Bears maybe think about with their targets moving forward. But just to highlight, you know, the ones that were productive today, Robinson and Miller did a great job. Cohen still is a guy that I think in the receiving department, he has some drop pass. He has, I think, seven or eight drop passes, and he only had one all of last season. So mm-hmm. obviously needs to improve in that area. That and the one third down that uh, – well, second down I was telling you about when he wasn't able to convert on that. He was a little bit short. He didn't even extend for it. He just kind of fell down. And, you know, I know he's short, but, I mean, even if he could extend a little bit, that would have been a first down and could have changed the comp- how the second half, this fourth yeah. quarter kind of – uh, played out here for the Bears. But looking at the tight ends today, not a lot. Ben Broniker, two catches, nine yards. Uh, Horstead, one catch for four yards. Obviously, without Burton, I'm not even going to say without Shaheen because he never counted in the first place. Uh, we're still looking for any sort of production today. I know the Giants' defense wasn't great against covering tight ends as they haven't been great at covering many offenses all season long. But are you surprised by the lack of production? I thought we would get a little bit more out of the tight end today. I mean, Ben Broniker could have definitely helped his stats oh, had true, he caught true. that ball right over the middle. That would have been a touchdown. Um, but I liked what I saw from how I guess they were using him because they on that play that he dropped, perfectly executed by Matt Nagy in terms of the scheme, he had him as as a fullback in the backfield, kind of going over the middle field, working on linebacker, wide open. That's what you got to do. Be, be creative. That's what he was brought to Chicago to do, to bring an offense with him. Hasn't you know really shown this season, obviously. But yeah, I think obviously Ben Broniker, he took a really big hit, actually, the play before that. He did. And he caught he over the middle. And I don't know, obviously speculation here, but I don't know if that affected him on that catch or that drop over the middle. So yeah, you just want to make sure that you look the ball into your hands and then you can 
go moving forward for a touchdown. But yeah, uh, Horstad didn't really expect much for him to do in his first you know game being active. But having just a reception and Broniker on the stat sheet, maybe they, you'll see more of that moving forward, especially because the two starters are officially out for the season. Well, actually, Shaheen is still, I guess, there, but he's been a healthy scratch or dealing with whatever that foot injury is now for some time. He can continue to deal with that. I'm ready to yeah. uh, look at some of these guys and some more extended looks. Again, this was just the first game for Horstead, and who knows, maybe he can carve out a small role as his you know, second half of the season kind of comes to a close and we'll see what he can do. Cause he was really uh, a big standout there in the preseason and you never know. He, uh, we've seen it. I mean, Ben Broniker years ago, this is kind of how he got started as well and can stick around. But yeah, you talked about that big hit. I think it did affect him again. We're just, we don't know. We're not on the field, but uh, he took the hit and then even in the huddle, they're showing him and he's like, kind of like not yeah. hyperventilating, but like rocking back and forth <laughs> a little bit. And then, I mean, yeah, he was open, but the guy fell down, didn't haul it in, but it's unfortunate to say the least. Uh, Javon Wims, real quick. Uh, he did have two targets today, maybe one. If you're, I don't know if you count that interception ball as a target, just how far away it was from him. But I want to get him a little bit more involved too. I really do. And it seemed like, and the announcers po- uh, pointed this out, and I had it in my notes too. But it seemed like whenever he was in the game, the Bears were running the football a little bit more, and he was actually doing a pretty decent job in run blocking. And I know we've had a lot of people in our chat, a lot of people commenting on the podcast a long time ago saying, why not beef him up and make him more like a tight end? And then I saw this today. I'm like, you know, no, he's a wide receiver, but I can see why people can envision that out of him today. But anything you want to mention on him, again, there wasn't anything to talk about. I was good. I was happy to see that his snap count is continuing to increase, but still not really scheming anything up for him. Yeah. And so I think it's also, Look, he's getting more snaps, which is great, but you can't make it so obvious. And I think Matt Nagy's done a, a bad job on, you know, his part where you know usually when there's three wide receivers on one side and then the running back is also on that same side, it's like a handoff going the other way. Well, that's just a telltale sign for a defense. If you know Javon Wims is out there, hey, it's most likely a run play. But I think it is, you know, on you know the uptrend. He's out there. But don't make it to where it's only where he's going to be possibly a run blocker. We know what he can do. Um, so we we saw it firsthand in that Cannon game, uh, the the preseason Hall of Fame game, uh, just you know a couple years ago. But yeah, I think you need to get him more involved. That's what you need to do and evaluate some of these younger this younger talent for the five games that are remaining this season. All right, moving on to the offensive line. Obviously, early on it was rocky and it never really got completely, uh, you know, stable. But the Bears did a few different things to kind of help him out. Like I mentioned earlier, the play action, doing some misdirection, which the Giants, uh, with their aggressive mentality, were over pursuing, allowing Trubisky to move that pocket a little bit, have a little bit more time. They were also using max protection a lot, where they're having everyone in there. Uh, blocking with only a couple of routes going deep down the field, which also was a boost for this offense. You saw David Montgomery getting in there, the nitty-gritty, and his pass protection as well. It was all hands on deck today. And it was a team in uh, New York, the Giants, that didn't have a ton of sacks entering this game. But you and I noted they have capable guys, and the Bears found a way after those two sacks early to kind of you know weather the storm and calm things down. How did you, uh, or how would you assess how the Bears were able to do that? Again, I thought they did a pretty decent job using a variety of different tactics to kind of mitigate that pass rush. Yeah, and I think I highlighted some of the, you know, the one-on-one matchups. That's where you get some obvious frustration from the offensive line. But I think for the most part, when you look back and watch this game, Trubisky had a. <laughs> 
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Out of pocket, and you, like you said, you saw David Montgomery, who at times earlier in the season maybe didn't pick up that blitz pickup. But in this game, he definitely did. On that play that actually gets called back for, for Allen Robinson over the middle, David Montgomery does a fantastic job with his blitz pickup, just really hitting the linebacker that's blitzing, allowing Trubisky to even make that throw. So for the most part, when you look back and watch this, the, the offensive line did their job. And there are a couple little one-on-one matchups, and obviously Rashad Coward not being able to pull on that third and one. You highlight, you see those, and you think maybe the offensive line overall just had a terrible day. That's not the case. Yes, you'd like to see him do a little bit, a lot. Let's be honest, a lot better in the running portion, just creating lanes for the running backs. But Trubisky did drop back 41 times to throw it, and I think for the most part he had enough time to find his receiver. Whether he did or not, it's on him. But I would say that the offensive line. They had a better day today than what we've, you know, seen in some past games. Now, we talked about it with some of the receivers. How close are you getting with the offensive line starting to do the same thing where you're you're getting some of these young guys some playing time? Because I can see where maybe you move up an Alex Bars and sit someone else on this team. Because again, it's they're not a great unit this year. And Alex Bars is someone who I think has tremendous potential. And if I believe if the Bears give him some playing time now, they could help him down the stretch. Would you do that or given Bars's injury history, you'd rather keep him healthy longer and kind of sit in the wings a little bit? I can see both sides. Yeah, you can definitely see both sides, but Rashad Coward hasn't really shown any reason as to why you're going to consistently put him over in Alex Bars. Again, we haven't seen Alex Bars in actual, you know, um, regular season play where we know what he's capable of, but you have to try it at some point. You obviously kept him for, you know, a reason. He turned down to go on the Patriots active roster or stay on the Bears practice squad. So he's obviously has this commitment to the Chicago Bears and that connection with Harry Heastan. But I think at some point you have to evaluate, is Rashad Coward hurting this team? Do we have a, a young guy who doesn't have this experience, but can he do a better job or even just just a slightly better job? Because Rashad Coward has not been the best right guard. And look, he's not supposed to be playing there either. But you want to see and evaluate the young talent that you have. And in a season that's been like the Bears has, why not? It does, I don't think it'll really hurt the Bears worse than what they're doing right now. Any final thoughts on offense? I can say we can have a conversation about red zone woes some more. Only one of four down there. It seems like every other week the problem kind of flip flops. It's either we get to the red zone, but we can't convert, or we can't get to the red zone at all. And when we do, we're actually finding ways to punch it in. And this is a week where it's the first one where you can get down there, but you're settling for field goals, you're throwing interceptions, turning the ball over. Uh, things like that, and then again, fourth, uh, third down for the Bears, four fifteen against this Giants defense. To me, still doesn't cut it. Uh, a good example of the Bears uh, showing some flashes today, but still, when it counted, unable to move the sticks. Uh, but anything else you wanted to mention about this Bears offense? Yeah, I think there's just a lot left to be desired for the Bears offense. Let's be completely honest here. 19 points is not enough, given some really good field position too by the defense uh, in this game. 
So you you need to see more just better execution, not have those penalties that take away big plays. And just, again, Mitch Trubisky kind of assessing the field and finding a way to get the ball to his targets. And there's still a lot left that the Bears can do to improve this offense. Uh, but again, it kind of – you don't maybe talk about it as negatively because they did win the football game. They They actually won the football game. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Precisely. All right, let's go ahead. Let's call that a wrap on the Bears offense. Enter the third quarter of our postgame show and take a look at that Bears defense. And you said uh, that the Bears defense did a good job of helping this Bears offense get a couple of favorable uh, starting field positions. It took a while. Uh, They're starting inside the offense, starting inside their 10 a ton early in this game. But the Bears offense wasn't doing a good job early on in this first half, giving this Bears defense some very difficult situations. They had three drives, the Giants did, that started on the wrong side of the 50. The Bears only allowed seven points, one touchdown drive, and, of course, those two missed field goals. What's your uh, what, what's your take on the Bears defense on those three drives? Because, again, the one, okay, you let up a touchdown, and, again, you're playing with fire every time you give a team a ball on your side of the 50, but I thought overall they played pretty well. Yeah, I would definitely uh, just watching this bears defense. They did do a pretty good job. We have seen it though at the time, especially in that fourth quarter where they just don't close out a game. And mm-hmm. again, we're asking a lot from this Bears defense, but they have the playmakers and that's the strength of this bears team where we just expect it to kind of happen. But I, I think what's key noting on the one drive that the, that ends in a golden Tate touchdown Aaron Lynch and Isaiah Irving were in for the majority of that drive because the Giants were going some hurry up. So Mack and Floyd were not on the field. I think they finally come into the game. Uh, the last two plays of that drive, they still end up getting the touchdown, the fourth and 18 conversion. But a big chunk of that in the middle, Isaiah Irving, Aaron Lynch were the, the outside linebackers. And obviously the Giants were able to move the ball a little bit there. So it's trying to maybe look at that and try to they they did a strategic way of keeping them off the field but for the most part you can't really fault this bears defense that again has done their job consistently they should have had an interception on the very first drive of the game Mm -hmm. by sherrick mcmanus but yeah i think you can't really complain too much about this bears because this is what has kept the bears in games they could still score only 19 points and win a game right because they're doing such a good job on their end but, yeah, I think there's obviously bits and uh, pieces where the defense gives up big plays. Eddie Jackson tries to undercut Golden Tate, and that's what kind of leads to that touchdown, obviously not getting enough pressure. But for the most part, I'm happy with how the defense played. Yeah, I thought overall they played very well. Again, 14 points given up uh, each and every week. Should win you football games. It did today. Uh, other weeks, maybe not so much given this Bears offense. But today it was enough. And he talked about it. Uh, it was an up and down uh, for the vast majority of this game. The Bears defense where it was able to take care of business. I already gave the stat on third downs, one of 12. And it was just a couple of those drives. And we talked about it. It just takes two drives against this Bears defense, which can change the whole landscape of a potential Sunday afternoon. And that's not really on the defense as much as it is the Bears offense and their inability to put points up on the board because the Giants got that touchdown. And then after that touchdown drive, they had 27 total yards on 21 plays, which was after their failed fourth down attempt. And then afterwards, the very next drives when they had that 97-yarder 
which of course ended up in that touchdown, fourth and 18. You can't have that happen to Golden Tate, but it ended up doing it. But let's focus on what went right because we can pin, you know, poke and prod at the two drives that went, went wrong, and I think you already hit on exactly what the problems were. But what was going right? Why were the Bears able to stop New York's offense? And it could be as simple as the Bears have a damn good defense, and New York's offense has been pretty you know, bad, just like the Bears have been all season long as well. Yeah, so and I think a big focal point for this Bears defense is not allowing Saquon Barkley to go off. And they did a really good job just containing him. 17 carries for 59 yards. And you see guys like Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols really having a big impact in this one. Just one, their gap integrity. But there was a play that Eddie Goldman makes where he has to really, one, stack and shed the blocker and then stretch out to just uh, tackle Saquon Barkley. That's why it's so difficult for opposing teams to, you know, just be successful or gain positive yards on this Bears defense. And that's without Nakeem Hicks at times. Uh, so I think the Bears, they make it really difficult. They want to take away, obviously, Saquon Barkley. But I was really encouraged by the play of Buster Screen today because the Giants ran a lot of little crossing routes where you have to just make sure you know how to avoid and go through traffic. That's what he did a really good job of today. And then you saw the corners playing pretty aggressive in this one, playing closer to the line of scrimmage to help with the Saquon Barkley, not to, for him to get yards. So it was a lot of different things that Chuck Pagano did in this game to allow the Bears defense to be successful. It also helps when Khalil Mack is able to play like the Mack that we all have been accustomed to seeing. So, yeah, a bunch of good things that were happening. And you pointed out in the preview podcast and this one, Haha Clinton Dix had a really good game today. Really encouraged with his play. And when you have all those different things coming together, you're going to have a pretty good defensive effort uh, against any, you know, offensive opponent. You know, let's keep hopping on what Will said right in the preview show so we, I can just keep <laughs> pumping myself up here. Because I also wanted, we're talking about Daniel Jones, I wanted Pagano to get more creative with his pass rush this week. Because we haven't seen it in the last month. He's just been very, you know, rushing with the same four guys. It's not working. Everyone else is dropping back in coverage. And I said, Daniel Jones, let's confuse him. Let's bring in pressure from a bunch of different areas. Move around Cleo Mack. Bring in a buster screen at Eddie Jackson. We did all, we saw all of that work today. We even got that Khalil Mack strip sack, uh, which is that big fumble play. And I mentioned, watch out for Daniel Jones. We can get close. He tends to cough up that football like it's the other teams. I go, sorry, take it. And I'm glad to see that Chuck Pagano listens to the show. He must have called in Vic Fangio. It's like, hey, what were you doing? And he's like, oh, this podcast. No, not at all. But <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm just very excited when I'm reflecting on this game, seeing some of those exotic looks. Again, Buster Screen crashing down off the nickel. Eddie Jackson was doing it early in this game as well, and it really helped against the pass because you got Daniel Jones off his mark right out of the gate. And then also against the run because Saquon Barkley isn't the same uh, guy who he was a year ago just due to that ankle injury. So you were able to get some more guys downhill in a hurry and do some gang tackling, and that really helped out because a couple of years ago, you're asking for trouble if you don't have anyone deep with Saquon Barkley because he can make a few guys miss and off to the races. But it's just not the same this season. So everyone's playing much closer, much tighter near and around the line of scrimmage. And I thought you said it well, too, with the defensive line. They're doing their job as well. And Roy Robertson-Harris, uh, there was actually a play early in the game where he dropped back in coverage, and that was the Sherrick McManus almost interception. A look I haven't seen all year, and he ended up happing it. Uh, anything else on the Bears' defensive line that you wanted to mention? Uh, defensive line, I think I you know, just 
they did a really good job of controlling this game at the line of scrimmage. And again, allowing the linebackers where I want to move this discussion because a guy like Nick Kwiatkowski, obviously we know him as the run stuffer, someone who's going to play faster, better when he goes down, uh, just making tackles. But he had a really key pass breakup and, you know, pass coverage. And that is something in his game where it's not as strong. But Nick Kwiatkowski continuing to do things like that to show that he is a capable starter in this league. And obviously big shoes to fill with Danny Trevathan out. But he is a capable guy and someone that I just more and more confident in the way that Nick Kwiatkowski is playing. So, uh, again, another great game for him. He's just kind of stacking these up now, which is encouraging for the Spurs defense because he is someone that they have had to count on, obviously, this season and in years past. But, yeah, so linebackers, again, had a good game. Roquan Smith is flying over the field ever since, what, I mean, obviously last week he had a really good game, but he's stacking them up. This is the season that I really envisioned for Roquan to have, but now it's kind of finally happening, So, which is great to see for the Spurs defense. It is. It was a game where Roquan didn't have a bunch of tackles. I think it was, like, what, three or four? But it Roquan's, wasn't like, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like he was, you know, all over the field in terms of making tackles. But he was impacting the game in some a variety of ways, and that's what I like to see out of him. He doesn't always have to be the leading tackler to make it, you know, his play stand out. And you said it as well, uh, Kwiatkowski. He's, you know, he's really good against a run. His coverage has been, you know, definitely on the upswing compared to what we've seen a couple of years ago. Uh, so I definitely agree. Those inside linebackers was a big reason why, you know, flowing downhill, sideline to sideline, really helping uh, the rest of his defense just kind of flow. Speaking of flow, Leonard Floyd, what, what's your take on him? I thought he had a quiet-ish game, and then the one last play, he was able to get some decent pressure on Jones, which helped, but still someone who we need more from. Yeah, absolutely, because I think opposite of, you know, Khalil Mack, you need to be able to win those one-on-one matchups you're going to get in, in any single game, but he doesn't really do that. And it wasn't until like very late in the game where he's actually able to cause some pressure. Uh, Daniel Jones has to throw away the ball early, but Leonard Floyd, it's, it's, he's not getting home. And maybe we have to wait till the, the second matchup with the green Bay Packers to see him maybe get another sack <laughs> because that's where he, he's made most of his production and has done, you know, some really good things for the bears, but he hasn't been as impactful his hand is healthy. He's fully healthy, so there's no reason why he, sh- you know, isn't being the pass rusher that I think everyone was hoping he'd become. But yeah, it's just another guy that he's just kind of there. I know he's good at you know containing the edge and doing things like that. But when you move up to go get a guy like Leonard Floyd, and he's finally healthy, and when you have an Akeem Hicks who's out and Dan Trevathan, guys have to step up. He hasn't really done that this season, so I'm still waiting to see more from Leonard Floyd. Yeah. I think you, me, everyone listening all feels the same way when it comes to flow. Let's look at the secondary because Prince Mukamara, I think he was the Achilles heel today. I know he went down for just a moment with a cramp or whatever that minor injury was. He's only out for one play. Uh, besides that, though, he was primarily the guy that they picked on in this game. He was our Ballantyne. Uh, to put it, I think, yeah, <laughs> to put it out there. Uh, that's pretty much what it was. Kyle Fuller, uh, he had that penalty in the end zone, which, of course, gave the Giants a couple more chances to get that touchdown. He also almost had interception as well, but overall his coverage today was pretty solid. He was also getting aggressive against the run and getting in there as well today. 
um, Buster Screen coming in on the blitz. Uh, other than that, he had a, a decent game. It wasn't his best game, but a decent game for him, Buster Screen. I talked about HaHa and Andy Jackson, too, getting in there, tackles for a losses, coming off blitzes. He had that one really piss-poor, I think is that what you called it, Nick, on Twitter, a piss-poor tackle attempt? I, I did. He looked like he was going for the ball, but it really didn't even look like that. It was just a piss-poor tackling effort by Eddie Jackson. Uh, yeah, so it's funny. You mentioned Ballantyne, and I have the stats right in front of me. He led the Giants with total tackles. That's never a good sign for any cornerback because that means, one, you're being heavily targeted, and whoever you're guarding is getting that football, and then mm-hmm. you're making the tackle. So funny that you mentioned Ballantyne. But, yeah, I think the secondary had a pretty good day-to-day, and it was really Prince who was being – uh, the Bears Valentine, but it wasn't big, big plays. And again, there was that the end zone that shouldn't have happened with the Golden Tate touchdown. There's three guys there. I don't know what Buster Screens are actually doing. He's like the underneath defender. He's kind of leaning towards the right, drifting away from the receiver. But Eddie Jackson, he, look, he wants to get that first interception. You could see it. You really can because on that play, he undercuts Tate and he's able to go past him, be the deepest guy, and he hauls in that touchdown pass. So, Secondary has to make sure that doesn't get, you know, something reoccurs like that later in the season, especially with Detroit's receivers coming in on, or the Bears going to Detroit next Thursday. Can't allow that to happen. But, yeah, for the most part, the secondary played aggressive. You see Sherrick McManus almost getting an interception. Kyle Fuller, you know, had not been, uh, you know, the offensive pass interference, he would have had a pick as well. So, yeah, very aggressive. And we've seen it all season from these uh, guys in secondary. You want to see more interceptions, obviously, but they had a good day. Yeah, it's actually funny. So we had an issue with spacing on defense in the end zone, which allowed them to get a touchdown. And then we also had the same issue on offense where we had two guys too close to one another that led to an interception in the end zone. It's interesting how that kind (laughs) of is a mirror image of one another. But yeah, overall, this Bears defense, again, I mean, I don't know how deep we need to go into it because just how bad New York's offense is. But for the most part of this game, the Bears did what they needed to do. They allowed one 40-yard touchdown drive in the first half, and then that one 97-yarder where they used the tempo. The Bears were going into more uh, prevent mode a little bit, and not just on defense, but the whole team just felt like, okay, let's just hold this lead, which, again, they got a little bit too, I would say, comfortable, and they should have been a little bit more aggressive down the stretch. But when it mattered, when the Giants got that ball again, the Bears defense you know, turned on the light bulb, things switched, and even though the Giants marched down you know, most of the way, after the two-minute warning, they pretty much shut that thing down. Anything else you want to mention about the Bears defense today, Nick? Again, only allowing 243 total yards 14 points. Can't really ask for much more. No, you can. And uh, the Bears uh, obviously have a great unit back there. Keeps them in all, every single game. Usually you can count on that defense to keep you at least in the game. Um, yeah, and they're starting to create some turnovers in you know, the past two games. So hopefully that's just a trend that continues for this Bears defense because I think obviously the playoffs are out of the question, but you want to see you know at least this side of the ball stay dominant and they have for the most part this season and just add those turnovers there get off the just limit the times where you're allowing teams to come back that's that's still something that you can build upon and want to be a part of in Chicago when they're thinking about possible free agents you want to be a part of that defense so yeah just want to continue seeing them play the level of football that they've been really playing all season I just wanted to point out that it seems like they really have taken a liking to Chuck Pagano. They seem to have a lot of fun with him on the sidelines, and Pagano is very, you know, very much to congratulate anyone for making a great play. He's running out there on the field and brings that energy, and 
it's a little bit different than the kind of a you know person that Vic Fangio is. And of course, Fangio is always up in that box. And it seems like they're really connecting with their defensive coordinator here on the sideline, cheering him on, coaching him on right there as well. Just something I've been noticing in the small glimpses that you kind of get from the broadcast angle. But that's a pretty cool sight to see as well. But let's go ahead and move on to the fourth and final quarter of the show. And let's begin with Bears special teams today. Nick, where do we begin? It started at the very first play of the game with Eddie Pinero kicking the ball out of bounds. Like, how do you – I don't know. It's just – it's crazy that he continues to have these struggles. And, again, with all the problems that have happened in the past for the Bears, you just wish that someone would come up and be the actual you know, savior for their problems. But that – it clearly isn't the case. He also missed the extra point. It was, a, what, 40, 40-something yard extra point, misses that. Yeah, Eddie Pinero still having his struggles, but I'm not a fan. And I know right now Tariq Cohen, I think, is a front runner for the special teams, uh, whatever, specialist in the Pro Bowl. But I think his decisions at times when he's taking or about to fair catch a punt or not fair catching the punt in general, that has been so consistent this season with Tariq Cohen making these bad decisions back there. I'm not a fan. I just, I'm still wanting it's been, someone else. It's been else. every season with Tariq, let's be honest. Yeah, it has. And I'm still waiting for somebody else to take that from him because I don't think he des- is as deserving as the Bears have made it seem like you're the punt returner, do something. But he usually goes east to west instead of north to south. So I'm not a fan of him doing what he does. That's, so, that's a problem on offense, too. If you want to have a Tariq yeah. Cohen conversation, we can True. have a Tariq Cohen True. conversation. He has all the – I understand why they have him as a part returner. He has all the speed in the world, but uh, his wherewithal, his uh, football IQ in those situations continues to baffle us. And it's he's a professional football player. He should know this more than we do, and I don't know if that's the case. He only tends to fair catch these things if they're inside the 10-yard line. <laughs> Anything further away, he's going to run away from if there's anyone within a reasonable amount of yardage from him. But, yeah, Nick, I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to Cohen. I don't know why you don't give Cordero Patterson a potential chance there. He's one of the best kick returners in the game. I know it's a different animal, punt returning. But I still think he could have, you know, the intangibles that really could lead to some success there. And I mean, he's a hell of a gunner, though, isn't he? Like, huh. there's a couple of plays today where you're like, "Oh my god!" You're like, "It's absurd what he can do." He he goes down there, he catches a punt, which this isn't the first time we've seen this. Like, our gunner is catching our own punts, which is I've never seen it before this season ever, and I've seen it three or four times this year just from him alone. And then that awesome play that he got when the balls were just about to cross the plane to knock that thing back to give the Giants another super long field. But I mean, Patterson, he's a very he's a bright spot on the special teams. So of a special teams that doesn't get a lot of bright spots. Yeah, very true. And on the the it was a touchdown saving, potentially touchdown saving punt return that Jabril Peppers had. Cordell Patterson's being blocked by two guys. He has to come from out of bounds back into the game and makes that tackle. You see the impact he has had at that gunner position. He has owned it. I mean, I know he's being paid two years, 10 million, but just with what he's done on, you know, that gunner spot, it's like you can almost validate that he's worth it there because he is just one saving the bears and putting them in really good field position for, you know, the defense to, you know, stop the opposing offense or catching the the punts itself. He's really good and just owned that position there for the bears. Yeah, I mean, between that and him returning kicks, yeah, you could take $5 million a year. I don't care. 
Yeah, he's 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 really good at that aspect of special teams where the Bears have been struggling there to find capable guys. And we just highlighted Tariq Cohen. So it's nice to have a consistent guy like a Cordell Patterson. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about that weird extra point? I mean, the the miss is a miss. It's an extra point. It's a long extra point. It's a 48-yard attempt just to get one point on the board. But the whole debacle, I guess, I don't know if that would have been more offense or more special teams at this point. I guess offense, the whole uh, P.I., no P.I. call, to me, very weak call. I've seen, I've seen the Patriots and the Packers run that way worse and more blatantly than that, and no one wants to call it on them. But that's a different topic for a different day. And also the shank punt when it seemed like nothing can get worse. Uh, so miss extra point, uh, O'Donnell shanks a punt. Anything else in the third phase that we need to bring up? Uh, also, I mean, also on that play, they bring out, I forget who's the, the 12th man that comes on the end for that, for the mm-hmm. extra point. So it moves them back even further. It's like how I, I obviously there's a lot. Maggie did there. mention what happened there. Uh, oh, I saw did. that on Twitter here, just roll up through. Uh, they didn't know who was supposed to be out there with all the confusion with Bobby Massey going out with the injury and then all the confusion with the penalty and moving back and then throwing the kick unit out there. They had two guys thinking they had Bobby Massey's spot and they didn't. <laughs> one too many yeah so it was a lot of it was uh i think dan durkin tweeted this during the game i think it was for something else it was organized confusion and that's exactly mm. what happened in that span with the two-point conversion coming back and opi and yeah everything that happened there so yeah it's very special teams you never know what exactly to expect usually it's not good and that yeah. was just a, usually that's that's another prime example of not a good special teams play All right, Nick, I think with that, we can go ahead and jump into our two-minute warning, and this is where we kind of wrap up our thoughts in this game and put them in a season-long perspective. So over to you. What's going to be your Week 12 two-minute warning? Yeah, so the Bears are now 5-6, and and we talked about it earlier in this podcast. Come Thursday, they can be back at a 500 team. Not mean that they're going to make a run or go to the playoffs or anything, but you still want to see the fight that this team has. Show that they can make some of these these negatives that they had in this game against the Giants and turn them into positive. Find the solution to some of those penalties, to maybe some of those missed throws, or why you're undercutting a defender when you have nobody's deep on defense. So some of these things that have been plaguing the Bears – See if they can fix them in a short turnaround against a division opponent in the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. But I think for the what we want to see is just players continue to develop, show what they can bring to the 2020 season, because that's how I think everybody should be looking now with five games left. What 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 who are going to be the players that are part of the future as opposed to some of the guys you need to get rid of now or people personnel. But the Bears did get a much needed victory against a bad opponent, so take it for what you want, but it is a victory. You you don't, at any given time, I mean, you see the Jets blow out the Raiders today, which is crazy. Exactly. It, so it's like, and they were, it's like, you talk about a team being good, and then you play yourself out of being good. The Bears are a bad team right now, but let's see if they can stack up a few wins here. You have Detroit, Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota, but I think it's all about developing the young talent seeing evaluating and seeing who's a part of the future for 2020 and going from there because right now the bears are five and six realistically out of the playoffs so let's look out for those kind of things to happen over the next couple of weeks yeah you said it right it's a win against a very bad opponent but hey it's still a win and it's one where heading into this afternoon heading into this game i was like okay bears lose to the giants ah that's gonna be a tough post game show bears beat the giants 
all right, I mean, you beat a bad team, but at least we can talk about a victory. And I think I was actually more excited after it really happened than I even thought I would be. And I think that's just the Bears fan in me coming out just a little bit. Uh, But like you said, Nick, we're fighting for 2020 now, and it's more of figuring out who's going to stick around, which I believe, you know, the vast majority will. There's going to be a a lot of changes, but it's not like they're going to nuke this thing and start all over. So they need to figure out who's here to stay, who's here to go. And I think maybe more importantly for that core unit who's going to be here next season, they need to find a way to end this season hot and as a really good football team that can put away the sins of the early part of the season, the first half of this year. Because if you can do that and play really good football here as we wrap up November through December, and even though you don't make the playoffs, you can still hang your hat on, you know, we fought to the end, we were playing some good football, and if we can play like that all the way through the beginning of next season and take it over, we can get back to where we were in 2018. 18, that 12 and 4 going into the playoffs sort of football team compared to what we saw so far this season. So I think there's a lot riding on not just this season, but next season as well in terms of confidence and this locker room confidence and his coaching staff, the direction of where this team's going, making sure that 2019 was just a blip. It was a mishap. It was a mistake, but they can all collectively learn from it be better from it, and then make 2020 a much more successful season. So that's where I'm hoping for. Again, we have a very short week. We have the Lions coming up here on Thanksgiving. Nick and I talked about it offline, but we are going to do a brief post-game show on Thanksgiving as soon as that game wraps up as well. I think we've done that every time the Bears have played on Thanksgiving since we started this podcast. So even though the Bears have a losing record and we're disappointed by the season, just like you, we're still going to take our time to do our normal post-game show after that game. And I want to thank everyone who's tuned into this week's show, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or if you're amongst the thousands of global listeners of the podcast. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. I noticed that we are a couple reviews away from 450 on Apple Podcasts. Please make sure to leave a review, like, and rate our show there because the more we get, the more that our show gets spread around. And since we don't have a huge media entity backing it up, just two Bears fans talking football, those reviews really help more Bears fans discover us, learn more about us. And again, speaking of you, we want you to join us at this Bears-Chiefs game here in Week 16, Sunday night football, 12th row from the field. We have one spare ticket. We want you to join us. Head over to chicagoaudible.com slash raffle to pick up your ticket. We really want you to join us. And again, every raffle ticket we sell does help us with our show cause in 2020 and beyond. We'll be back in, I think, just a couple of days. We have a very short week to kind of work through here as we prepare for the Detroit Lions round two on Thanksgiving. But until then, enjoy your Victory Monday. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.